0: Thank you so much. I want to do something a little different this morning. Um, You might be used to me. uh, As a volunteer, I'm like Manny. I'm a volunteer that belongs to this church. hate everyone online. And uh, sometimes I get up here and preach. Sometimes I do communion. But when I was asked to end the series this morning, I felt like perhaps I should tell my story a little. And uh, since I was seven... I was a follower of Jesus. Since I was one day old, I was in church. My dad was a pastor. But I lived a whole lot of my life faithful, dedicated, committed, and not free. Shell this morning in um, our briefing with the worship team read out a passage from Acts. And as she read it, I thought, yeah, I didn't even believe that for 32 years of my Christian walk How about come and read it? And I wonder if there's anyone like me here today.
1: Yeah, hi. Um, So I was reading from Acts chapter 2, and you'll probably know this is where the Holy Spirit comes down for the first time. And just to give you a little bit of background, um... Jesus has gone, the, um, the disciples and all of the believers that are there are gathering to pray and then the Holy Spirit comes and suddenly they start speaking in languages. And I've just counted the different languages here. 18. Eighteen different languages that they're all starting to speak in. I won't won't pronounce some of them because they're actually quite tricky. Um, Eighteen different languages and people are coming from near and far and they're hearing the word of God in their native tongue. And it's just such a powerful and amazing thing. Why? Why did this happen? Well, if you fast forward a little further down to verse 16, it says, uh, This happened so that you would see that it was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams.
0: So um, my experience was uh, a really faithful one and a really good one. I uh, lived my life uh, going to church and um, I can honestly say I never had a moment in my life where I threw it all in and rebelled against it all. I am a middle child, but I just didn't do that. So I've not got a gutter to glory story. Mine's been quite a sanitized story in a good way. And, um, And my husband and I got married, we taught in uh, the government system for a while, we then went into ministry, and I was about 32, 33 years of age, and I'd actually led a worship night. I was the worship pastor at our church, so you can't get more committed to going to church than someone who's the worship pastor of the church. And I remember we'd had this night, and we'd had, it was back in the day, where it was sweeping across the world, you know the era where there was like brass bands and choirs that all kind of moved and you got them all doing this and that. And I loved it, it was great. It suited my personality and it was a Tuesday night and I literally had had led this night. We had about 60 people there. Everyone left, was about 10 o'clock at night and I sat on a stage, not too dissimilar to this, and went, I don't think I could get any better than this. I remember saying those words, I was in the auditorium as pastors often are, the last ones looking up, and I thought, I don't think I can get any better than this. My next thought was, I've peaked way too early. <laughs> like I'm 32 years of age, and this is as good as it can get, and, but I'm telling you that because it didn't come out of this terrible need and terrible time in my life where I was suffering, and it was actually great, but something in the back of my mind thought, surely this can't be all there is, as good as it was and as amazing as the music was and the experiences. And I thought, surely this can't be it. I haven't experienced everything of God. And I went home and just thought, and that nagging thought, and I thought, I started to open up scriptures, not unlike what Shel just read, that uh, challenged me. And I didn't particularly want to read. I had my own thoughts about the gifts of the Spirit and all that kind of thing and not sure that we needed them. And um, it was a different kind of thing that started going through my head. And for the next two weeks, I determined to read every passage I'd avoided most of my life. Now, that may sound funny to you. <laughs> I was saved. I'm not, this isn't like a, is she going to heaven or not? Does she love Jesus or not? Or well, those were a given But there was something like Manny was challenging us about freedom. I don't think I had freedom at all. Anyway, two weeks later, another Tuesday night, ironically, in our city, there was this rally that was happening in one of the really large churches that I probably would never be seen in. And I heard that this rally was happening. And I rang someone from our church um, that we were in, and I just said, I'm really keen to go along tonight to that event Well, they said later, they nearly fell off their seat. And I said, I'm just, I felt like if I didn't put myself in a different place, I wouldn't experience anything different from God. I want you to remember that. So anyway, I talked to Chris and she said, I'll I'll meet you there. And when I got there, she'd lined up about 10 other people to meet me there as well. So I had this little group, which was fine with me. And we sat there and we were chatting and this auditorium filled up with about 1,200 people and I took my Bible, you know, those big ones, the brown ones that you kind of put your neck out when you carry that kind of Bible. And I thought, if they say anything that's not in the Bible, I'm not, I'm walking out of here. Like, that was what I was like. And I grew up believing and knowing and still do trusting the Word of God. So I had this massive brown Bible. <laughs> I'm sitting there clutching it to my chest. Anyway, the, the service started. Amazing worship, which is my, my sweet space. And I remember about 10 minutes in, the person that was leading said, I'm just going to lead a time of ministry here. And I'd said to God, I will do anything as long as it's not contrary to your word, which was a big thing for me, because actually my box was way smaller than that. I had my prescriptive way of that I like to do my faith. And, but I'd said to him, I'm open to anything, dangerous thing to pray. But I knew the word of God. And I thought, if they ask me to do something that's against the word of God, I'm not doing it. I expected they would, ridiculously, but that's what I went along fearfully Anyway, the service starts, and the guy goes, um, "I feel like God wants me to lead a time of ministry." I'm like, "Well, that's normal. That's okay. Check." And uh, he said, "This is to pastors' wives. Are there any pastors' wives in the auditorium tonight?" Well, that was me. My husband was the senior pastor of the church, and I thought, oh, "That's me. And he goes, "Would you just stand?" And I'm going to pray for you. Well, again, it's not going to kill me to stand slightly embarrassing, but I'll stand. So I stood with my Bible. (laughs) I mean, so embarrassed now when I think back on these days, but it was like my protection, the word of God. So I stood up. Now, this friend of mine, Chris, puts a hand on my back and, and as whoever it is, I have no idea who it was, prayed. I stood there and went, this is fine. It's good to have people pray for you. And as the, he, he was praying, I felt through Chris's hand this intense heat, which was quite confusing to me. It wasn't just a warm hand, it was this sense of God moving. I, it's hard to explain it, but it was the first time I'd experienced that. And uh, he just said, In Jesus' name, amen. And I, I looked at Chris. She just looked straight ahead, and I just sat down, and we all just got on with it. And I'm like, well, that was strange. I can't even tell you what they preached on that night. I know I loved it. I know I felt a sense of freedom and release. Then they got to the end and then they had an altar call. Now, we don't do that heaps of times here in this church. Probably most churches don't nowadays. It was an era that everywhere you went and that just simply assumed that the front of the church was the altar of God. I don't know why this was any, it's just a a position, a place to focus on. And they would call people forward. And this senior minister of this church said, we're going to invite people forward for ministry tonight, anyone who would like us to pray for them about anything. And I sat there and literally my heart started beating But I'm like, what are they going to pray for me? Who's going to pray for me? How are they going to pray for me? What are they going to do to me? What's going to happen to me? Like, do you ever have those thoughts go through your head? And I'm sitting in the back of the church like this with my Bible clutched to my chest with my row of six or ten people. They all just sat there. They didn't move. I didn't move. I just wanted to watch. And I watched as people went forward, some crying, some quiet, some noisy, I watch people pray. I watch them physically and visibly be touched by God. I sat there for an hour. I literally sat there engrossed in the presence of God. And one of uh, my friends said, "Uh, would you like to go forward for prayer? Well, that's a whole nother level. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, no, I'm fine. Like, that's fine. But I was, I sat there longer. And then I knew in my heart why I didn't. I was afraid. Afraid of what would people think. I was kind of had God worked out and it worked for me. Remember, I said it was great. I was loving this Christian life. And it was in this box and in this space. Now, I didn't have a little box. My box was nice and big, thank you very much. <laughs> but it was still a box that I had put around it. And I felt the Lord say, you need to come forward. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Sweaty palms, shaky legs, beating heart. And after an hour, I I literally said to Dennis, he was one of the elders of our church, I'm like, if I knew who would pray for me, I would go forward. Again, conditions. (laughs) And he goes, what if I get John, the senior pastor, to pray for you? I went, that seems safe, that seems fine. And I did know him. But you know how hard it was to actually walk the aisle? And I could tell you, probably would take me two hours to explain all of the things that told me not to do it. And they were all around what I thought of myself and what I wanted other people to think of me. When I finally got over myself and realised stepping out was the only thing to do, I actually walked. And it wasn't like, I don't know how, six metres. It was a long auditorium and a lot going on. And so I walked down and The senior minister was there and uh, I'm holding my Bible still. So funny. And he probably thought, this woman is terrified. (laughs) And um, he looks at me and he goes, Karen, perfect love casts out all fear. He starts quoting scripture to me. And uh, maybe he saw the Bible and knew that would be important. Maybe it was God saying, hey, I've got you. And then he prayed for me and I have to say the next couple of hours was so transformative in my life. It was like, like, I received salvation for the first time. I can mark that Tuesday night as a time when my entire world changed. When the box was shattered, where I was confronted with myself and my pride and uh, my control that I needed. All that came about by just having an encounter with Jesus. And in that moment of him praying, and I remember thinking, I've never felt the Lord so close. You know, when you pray, dear God, it's kind of God's up there sometimes, or he's, I don't know where you think he is. In that moment for me, I remember, and I can still see it, Jesus being nose to nose, that close. And the Spirit of God just breathing and revealing all sorts of things. I'm like, oh, gosh, sorry about that. Oh, okay. (laughs) But you know when God convicts you, there's no condemnation. When God says, hey, you've got a bit of an issue with pride, there's no shame in that when it's God saying it to you. There's just a realisation and a repentance and a giving away. And I had this hour or two of just doing some work with God. From this little girl that had walked with him faithfully and dedicated, he's like, "You're ready to be free now." Now I got home and I uh, told my husband about it. He wasn't with me that night. He was so excited. Our entire family changed. Our kids, Daniel and Katie, were six and three. Um, they, the whole atmosphere in the home changed. I don't know what it went from what, but it went to freedom. And we were the parents, some of the young ones here, we used to have these televisions that had knobs on them and you'd turn the dial to get to the channel. You had to get out of your chair, you had to walk to the television and go channel nine and you'd hear it go click and then you'd go and sit back down again. That's how we kept fit in those days. Now we just have, we have like five remotes in our house and we turn fans on and turn TVs and you'd have to move. But back in the day... So every Saturday morning, we'd have the dial turned to Channel 9 for Saturday Morning Disney. And Daniel knew how to at least push the button and turn the television on. And he'd get up on Saturday and we'd have another hour or two sleep. For parents, that was just gold. This next Saturday morning, the kids jump on our bed at 6.30 in the morning. I'm like, go and press the button on the television. And I remember Daniel saying distinctly, we don't want to watch television, we just want to sing praise songs to Jesus. I'm like, was this worth it? I don't know. (laughs) Now, those kids have no idea. Of course, I hadn't sat them down and told them, guess what, mummy, happened to mummy. But literally, there is a sense that you in your world will transform your world the way you are transformed yourself. And uh, I have never looked back. I remember someone in my family saying, I, I'm a bit of a fad person. I am prone to buying things at 2 a.m. on Facebook and then realizing I probably shouldn't have done that. And I remember someone saying to me, oh, it's just a fad, you'll get over it. You don't get over an encounter with the living God. You don't get over a transformation of spirit and you don't get over going from unfree, <laughs> chained, to free. It was now the new normal. And 20 plus years later... I have been walking in that and I'm so grateful to God that I had that opportunity. So we've been having this series for the last 12 weeks and when I was asked just to finish this off, I said to Michael Bullard last week, he's taught so well for us and it's been such rich, fertile ground for us. I'm like, what if I just tell my story and we have like the tutorial after the lecture (laughs) You know, we actually have the practical workshop after the lecture. He goes, that'd be great, Karen. And, you know, we've got enough knowledge. And the last Sunday, I saw, I went and sat in the car after church. I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to say next Sunday? And this is literally the outline that he gave me. Firstly, he said, tell them they don't need to know anything more. You know enough. Now you're going to learn the rest of your life. I'm still doing a master's of theology. I'm not saying don't keep learning and don't keep studying You do know enough. This is not about knowing more. He said, Tell them they don't need to know more, they have to surrender more. It took me an hour at the back of a church to finally surrender and give in. I was a tough cookie. It took me an hour to give in to wanting God to move, to truly surrender. But that's where the Lordship of Christ kicks in. We can be faithful and dedicated and saved, if you want to use that word we can believe in God and believe he's with us. We can believe that his son Jesus died and rose from the cross for us. We can believe all those things in our head. Yet our heart can remain quite cold and not engaged. When we surrender and give over control and say, hey, it's not my will, it's his. I'm not driving the car, he is. I'm not setting the agenda, he is that's a whole different story. And that's where Jesus becomes Lord of our life. So it's about surrendering more to receive more. There was a whole heap more that I needed to have for what God wanted me to do. There were gifts of the Spirit that He wanted to place in my life that with me blocking it all the time, He was never going to be able to do. To receive His blessing, to be able to bless others, to receive His forgiveness, to be able to be more forgiving, to understand his grace at a different level, to be able to offer grace. To you don't get more of God, but you actually receive more of who he is and what he wants for you. Less of me and more of him. And you do that to experience more. I can tell you in the last 20 years, it's been the wildest ride. I liken it to a roller coaster. You know, when uh, you're climbing that hill and it gets to the top and that moment of like hang on for grim death, lock the bar in and it's and off you go, you're safe but it's exhilarating. It's where I learned to say yes before I even knew how to do anything. (laughs) Often my daughter will say, mum you said you're going to do this, you've never done that before. I'm like if God's asking me to do it, I'm doing it. Between now and doing it, I'll work out how to do it. It's fine. It's called faith knowing what to do in every situation and saying, yes, that's just being obedient. But faith is stepping into unknown waters. It's stepping into the river before it's dried up. To experience more, you have to step out and surrender more. And then the next one, to experience more, to be used more for a greater impact. If you want your life to truly count, you can't be in charge of your life. If you want your life to truly matter for God's kingdom, you can't be in control of that because you don't know the eternal global plan. He only knows that. We think we have plans and we make them, but the Lord orders our steps, the word of God says. We make our plans, but hey, God can change them at any time. I've learned to live in a way where I'm pretty organized, pretty structured. I have my diary. I know what I'm doing for the next however long but every morning it's like, Lord, how do you need to interrupt me? What do you need to change? I just am guessing 50% of it is a good plan, not a God plan. And when my day changes and when my schedule is rearranged, when uh, the order of things is shifted, I just flow with the Spirit of God. Surrender more, to experience more, to receive more to have a greater impact. I want to get to the end of my days and knowing I've done what God ordered for my life. You don't just step out of eternity for 70 years and back into it to do nothing, in my opinion. There are neighbours to impact. There's families to impact. There's friendships to deepen. There's people to offer grace to. There is so much of purpose for each one of us, but it comes from saying, I'm yours, God, and perhaps unlocking the borders of that box. You know, uh, when we do this, we're equipped for greater things. We're equipped for love. We're we're empowered in a different way. Grace flows from us. We're perhaps not even as annoyed about things as we used to be. We have life, and life that is attractive because it's the spirit of God in us. We should come to the end of ourselves because that's where God is and where his power is at work. You know, Jesus was saying to his disciples as he was trying to get them ready before he was to go to the cross. And in Matthew chapter 16, they were saying to him, well, what do we do to be a follower of yours? And he said to them, well, whoever wants to be my disciple, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Take up their cross. Follow me to the point of laying down your life. Follow me to the point of giving up control of everything for the sake of others. That's the cost. Paul possibly says it easier for us to understand. In Romans 12, he says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything he's done for us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. I picture myself just in my very casual clothes, crawling up onto this altar, sitting up there and going, Well, here I am again. (laughs) Nothing spectacular, no show here, just me, who I am, crawling back up there again, a living sacrifice. God, whatever you want to do, taking up my cross, living for him. Less of me, more of him. There's a sense of walking with God, even as I had to walk out uh, that night. There's a stepping with him that is vital to live in the freedom of the spirit. Do I do it perfectly every minute? Of course not. We're still human. We're trapped in these annoying human bodies and we're trapped in our insecurities and we're trapped in our jealousies and we're trapped in all the other frailties of the flesh. Yet we get to surrender them to God and ask him to come and fill us afresh with his spirit. And it changes everything. A living sacrifice taking up our cross, that's a journey of faith. So where I'd been a good Christian for a long time, and I'd gone to church twice on Sunday. There you go. How many of you have been twice on Sunday lately? I was probably better than most of you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. But I went from being a good and obedient and dedicated follower of God, loving him, to then handing over the keys, handing over the steering wheel and saying, even as I say it, it's hard to say, you take control. That is such a tough thing to do. But if we are a church that wants to live under the lordship of Christ, that's what we have to do. And in that moment, he's like, yes, I've been waiting for this, Karen, for 32 years. Some people, he never waits for it, It just happens automatically. It happens at salvation. Some of us, it never happens. It's like, what if we laid it down And what if we said, more of you, less of me? More of you, less of me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and we're going to have a challenging end to our service. You ready? (laughs) Well, nothing's meant to be comfortable today because it's uh, the finishing off at the end of the whole series. And I was praying and felt like God said, you know, you've learned a lot. It's time to just step into it. And Galatians 5 says this, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Which means, God, what do you want? I'll do that. 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 God, do you know what I'm saying? I was going, God, what do you want? Oh, really? I'm not sure. Um. Well. Uh, God, what do you want? I'll do that is how we should be living in step with the Spirit. Now, some people here today may have never said, Lord, you take full control. Perhaps you know about God, you know He's your Heavenly Father, you know Jesus is your Saviour, you know He walks with you through hard times, you love the life that you're learning about, But there is a moment for every single person. For me, it was when I was seven, where you actually say, I'm handing over control of my life to you and I'm giving my life to you. It is truly the moment of salvation. And there's lots of people here I don't know, so I don't know everyone's journey. So what I'm going to do in the next moment, I'm going to invite you to make that decision. And here's how we're going to do it. We're just going to have everyone bow their head in a moment. And if you say, you know what, for the first time, or perhaps you've been so far from God, you need to come back, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand wherever you are while everyone's heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm just going to pray for you, a little like that man prayed for me. I know that in that moment you will have a heavenly encounter and you begin this journey in a very, very different way. So I'm going to ask the worship team if they would just sing. As they sing, let the words just wash over you. Can I ask everyone to bow their head and to close their eyes? And just as the team sing, you just listen to the words. Thank you.